I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. Shh. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen with Heather Matarazzo. And that's me. Oh, my God. Me. I'm Heather Matarazzo. Um, though originally I was called Heather Corley. That's my birth name before I was adopted. Fun fact of the day. <laughs> um, anyway, let's just get this fucking party started. Um, I have sitting next to me someone I just recently worked with on a film that I did called Stuck. And this is the youngest person I've ever had on this podcast. Um, <clears throat> I'm so excited to talk with her about her journey. You may know her from her fabulous tweets. You may also know her from her podcast, It's All Good, Z-A-L-L, Zal Good, um, the fabulous, magical Alexis G. Zal. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Very excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're excited. So am I. Um, how are you? So far, so good. How about you? I mean, well, this is just getting started, so it's, it's, it's starting off well. Yeah, yeah, so uh, far. <laughs> <laughs> no, and the, the, day's been, the day's been good so far, and it's, we're in the middle of a heat wave here in L.A., but it's not like New York because we don't have to deal with the humidity. Um, and I asked you before we started this what you did today, and you said that you worked out a little bit. Yes, I did. And so did you go past three minutes on the treadmill? Yeah, I um, I went like a little on the treadmill, which I hate. And every time I get on the treadmill, I'm like, oh, this time I'm going to like it. Never do. And then I did like strength, some good old weightlifting because I've been hiking a lot. So I thought I'd get in some arm stuff. Now, I know for me that I hate working out, period. Um, I just consider fucking my workout. Sure. <laughs> um, but... If there was ever anything that I would focus on with my body, it would be my arms. Now, do you, and this is a question I've never asked anybody in my life, but do you have somebody whose arms you really love and you're like, those are the kind of arms that I'm after? Ooh, this is a good question. I mean, sometimes I'll see women on the street and I'll be like, those are the arms. Those are some good arms. I feel like a very classic answer is Michelle Obama. Um... I think also there's a lot of like older actresses who you can tell like just keep in shape and they're really like into fitness. Like um, who? I'm trying to think like Robin Wright Penn. Good arms. Great arms. Yeah, I guess that's my formal answer. Is that because you just saw Wonder Woman or House of Cards or? Yes, just saw Wonder Woman. Big fan. Have you seen? I have. Mm -hmm. I have. And it's it's interesting because I... Uh, um. Heather Terman and I did who you know because you worked with um, when you were 14, um, a fetus, essentially. A kiddo. A kiddo. Mm -hmm. A good old kiddo. And uh, I, I didn't 
I didn't notice how desperate I had been to see women on screen totally kicking ass and being in their power. And then, oh, and the point was, is that like right after I saw it, we did like a special podcast episode about it, um, which was a lot of fun and really great. And then I talked with a friend of mine named Valerie, Valerie, um, complex who you can find on Twitter. And I started to listen to some of my friends who were women of color and they were critiquing Wonder Woman in regards to the lack of representation of women of color on screen in in Wonder Woman. And it opened my eyes to quite a bit. And I absolutely, absolutely agreed with them 100%. And I feel as though people, especially white women, got very, very, very defensive about it and failed to hear and understand that you can love a film and still find criticism and things that need to be improved upon, you know? So I'm curious for you, A, what audience did you find yourself in when you were watching it? Like, who did I go with? Well, who did you go with? Who were you sitting next to? Was it mostly women? Sure. Yeah, that's actually a really funny question because I, my friend Jill invited me to go see it. Um, and she's gay and she had said the first time she went and saw it she was with like a straight couple and she was like oh I had all these things I thought she was so hot the whole time and so I'm glad that I can like go with someone who's also like she's so hot but in like a very positive way obviously um so yeah I went with two other women and we just loved it like for the storyline and just for all like the powerful women and personally I thought it did a really good job of being pro-women without being anti-men, which I think is, like, the easy trap to fall into. Um, And we really liked it. And what was the general audience? Like, in the whole theater? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, the theater overall was packed, but I, I don't... I remember, like, it was not all women like there were a lot of men in there as well um because I feel like at least I'm not a man so like I don't know exactly but I think there was like something for everyone in terms of like the it it didn't feel like it was a movie catered towards women it was just about a powerful woman yeah absolutely and I I guess I just meant for my experience when I went I went in the arc light And there were two dudes that I was sitting next to that were strangers. Mm -hmm. And they proceeded to huff and puff, especially in those moments when the female moviegoers cheered. Whether it was a line of, they don't deserve you, or women just being in their power in any way. So I was curious if there was a similar experience that happened in the movie theater that you were at or if I just had the fortuitous you know gift of sitting next to two dudes that couldn't be bothered and were looking at their phones and just fucking obnoxious I mean I definitely in the theater I was and I didn't feel like that negative energy to me it felt very positive and like the people that were watching it were like enjoying it and there was a lot of like woo 
woos and like cheers and like laughter and it, it seemed at least like everyone was on the same page in terms of like open to enjoying it that's how it felt at least like watching it on my end okay and you just turned 19 or 20 19 you just turned 19 okay so what has your experience been I know that you came out publicly on your 18th birthday and Mm -hmm. we talked about this uh, a tiny bit about a month ago I think I saw you and uh, you know I'm curious as to what that experience was like for you and that what is your experience being a 19 year old woman in this business what what have you found in terms of either having your voice silenced in any way or feeling that you needed to acquiesce and quote-unquote play by the rules in order to appease others that mm-hmm. might be in a higher position of authority? I feel like uh, kind of my answer is twofold. So one, I have been, a lot of my career is like online and making YouTube videos and this sort of cool thing to me about the internet while there is, you know, not necessarily every YouTube video I think is great content or all the things on the internet are like so awesome or so positive. But one cool, really cool thing about it is I can make something and upload it to the internet. It's out and no one else has ever seen it. I didn't have to get anyone's permission. So I can fully like, extend my voice and talk directly to like other teen girls or just like other women or anyone in general without having it like a middleman or like anyone who screens it or says that you shouldn't put this in you shouldn't put that so I think that's a really cool part of making content online and then also my manager um she reps like her thing is basically like young strong female voices and so even on like a personal level she's been a really great mentor to me in terms of she always encourages me like speak up like tell me what you're thinking or like if you have creative input on this like we want to hear it and I think that's been a huge huge part of why I don't necessarily feel silence is just because like the people that I'm surrounded by and the people that I have been fortunate enough to work with are generally very positive and encouraging of like me using my creative voice and how has it been since YouTube has launched its essential campaign against LGBTQIA YouTubers Mm -hmm. in regards to inappropriate content and uh, um being shut out of a larger fan base simply because of their sexual orientation, your sexual orientation. Sure. I personally, like a lot of my friends make more like LGBTQIA plus like advice style videos and I don't do a ton of that. So my content directly like hasn't been that affected, but for sure, like when I first heard about like the whole YouTube restricted mode thing, it was very upsetting to me. And personally, like I don't, I choose a lot of times, like especially on Twitter, just not to get involved in like, too much stuff unless I fully like understand like where everyone's coming from and I just want to make sure that I like have an actual opinion on the subject rather than just like saying things because it's like trending Um, but I was super upset hearing about that and I think I understand that with YouTube a lot of it and they've like come out and publicly said this but it was just like a an oversight and it wasn't an acceptable oversight at all Um, but basically at least with restricted mode, what happened is like YouTube videos with gay in the title or lesbian in the title just got flagged because that's a term that's in a lot of pornography, but they, that's obviously like not okay. 
because there were I had so many friends whose like full coming out stories which weren't like there's no cursing there's nothing vulgar about them other than their sexuality were like taken down or not taken down but you couldn't view them in restricted mode um so they appeared as though they weren't available if you had like that certain mode on and to me hearing that was super upsetting but personally it hasn't affected too much of my content just because I do like comedy stuff and then like I am gay but not a lot of my videos are directly about my sexual sexuality well yeah um because it's just a small part of who you are mm-hmm. um which is what I feel it should be period definitely and uh, and when I'd asked you before about because again you're 19 you do these youtube videos and you're like the boss lady ceo of you which is beautiful and i'm sure though you've had producers come to you and say we want to work with you we want to do this but in order to have you know a more expansive career in one way or another and i'm curious if you've had that experience in terms of we want to work with you, we want to be in the business of Alexis Gizal. Mm-hmm. However, we want you to be more this way or that way. Ba 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 ba. Sure, I've definitely run into similar things. So um, a lot of times, brands will come to YouTubers through your YouTube network and they'll say we want to make a sponsored video or we want like three sponsored videos or sponsored Instagrams, and definitely. When brands are involved, it's sort of like you, you can't curse and it has to be clean. It has to only talk about certain things and it, you can't talk about like the brand's competitors. You can use like certain buzzwords. You can't use other words to describe the company. And for me, more than anything, that just kind of presents a creative challenge because overall, I've never had anyone who's like, hey, we'll do this huge project with you, but you have to change your whole brand. It's more so been... Like, we want to make a video with you. In this video, you have to treat the company this way. You can't curse. You, um, you know, can't talk about, like, sexually explicit things. Um, So, for me, it's sort of, like, sparing when that happens. And it's usually, like, a one-off sort of thing. And it's not so much, like, changing my whole online identity. Um, So, I kind of view it as just, like, a creative challenge and kind of another form of comedy that isn't necessarily, like, better or worse. It's just, like, differently targeted. Okay. And it's it, it it's interesting to me. I'm I'm trying to do the math. Mm-hmm. So there's I'm 34. So there's like about like a 15 year age gap or something. Something like that. Something like mm-hmm. that. Somebody look it up and <laughs> let me know when this airs. Um tweet us. <laughs> tweet us, let us know. And I I had never thought of myself, or at least, you know, when I had started back in the 90s, you know, working and, and doing film, I just considered myself an actor. I never thought of myself as a quote-unquote brand. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was an actor and that's what I did and I played different roles and blah, 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 blah. And it seems like within like the last five to seven years that this idea and new birth of 
you yourself are your brand, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to YouTube stars and creative content makers that are especially of the younger generation. And I guess as you grow, because who you were at 14 isn't who you are at 19. Definitely. Correct. Yes. So you're going to continually evolve and grow and change. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question for you is how has your brand evolved and grown and changed as you yourself have grown and evolved and changed? And do you ever feel restricted because of the brand that I created you? for me? Yeah. Yeah. That has brought you success and, oh, do I still feel this way? Is this actually... Sure. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good question. I talk about that a lot with other YouTubers who have sort of grown up online in the same sense, um, because definitely 13 to 19 is like a lot of your formative years. Um, And it's definitely like a big, a whole added element of growing up, like, because you have the traditional like, oh, you know, I'm getting acne, I'm awkward, like whatever. And then there's this whole other part of you. So something that I I actually wrote... um, my friend Hunter March wrote a book called TBH. It's a bunch of like true stories from influencers. And I wrote a story in his book about this. But basically when I was 16, I sort of had this weird identity crisis where I was like, I'm not the same person that I was when I started my YouTube channel, but that's who everyone likes. So can I change? Can I grow? Like, is that okay? And I think like the older I get, the more I sort of have a comfort in the sense of distinction between my brand and my identity. And just understanding that those are two different things, especially when you're online. And they overlap, obviously. Like, I'm not a completely different person on the internet. Um, But just kind of having, like, some things that I keep to myself. And not in the sense of, like, dramatic personal things. But just, I guess, my online brand is much more, like, targeted towards what I want to continue doing long term. And then I, allowing myself to have interests outside of that is important to me. Okay, so what is what is the target that you want <clears throat> for long term? Mm-hmm. And uh, then what is the, <clears throat> and like you don't have to like go into whatever sure. the fuck, but like what is, what is a distinction that sets you apart from like your brand to like your person? Sure. Um, so a lot of like what I want to do in the entertainment industry, like long term, like I've been acting for as long as I've been on YouTube. And that's sort of what spurred me to like get on the internet is just to try out acting stuff and try out like writing. Um, So that's a huge part of what I want to do. Like I want to write and I want to like produce and like create stuff that both on YouTube and off YouTube. So I feel like the more content I create online that reflects that, the more I'm setting myself up for success, like five, 10 years down the line. So I feel like, especially in my videos, like more so than like Twitter and Instagram, but it's really skewing towards like scripted. And even if it's first person, like I'm talking to camera, I still script it because thinking like what I actually want to do, like I want to write. So why am I not displaying that? Like, why am I not writing? So like a lot of the stuff that I make on YouTube these days is fully scripted. Um, And then I think in like as a human being, I'm a lot more sincere, like my online presence sort of like dry and sarcastic. And I think that is a big part of my sense of humor in general. But I think I also have a lot of like sincerity and I like to think things through and I like to have like actual discussions that are just like funny. So I think just um, my online presence is much more heavily skewed towards like comedy, which makes sense. But I guess 
a big part of like me growing up was understanding that I could still skew my online presence towards comedy but not feel the need to be funny all the time and still have like that nice like sweet sincere part of who I feel like we all are as people without it negatively affecting my internet presence does that make sense it makes sense what I hear you say is that you allowing yourself to have moments of vulnerability exactly just allowing myself to be a full person like on my own time if that makes sense and not feeling like I have to keep up with like being funny all the time in your personal life yes okay and what has I normally don't it's so it's it's so funny when I when I get together with certain people um that I I normally don't ask so many direct questions oh that's good it's um direct questions are good no direct questions can definitely can definitely be good and it's it it just it gets my mind going in the sense of when you talk about scripted is it completely scripted is it a version of yourself scripted is it, it sure i i think it's definitely like everything that i do on the internet is through the lens of my point of view and that's honestly something like i can't help like i feel like everyone is the same way like whether or not you want to do social media for a living or want to do entertainment for a living like your instagram is still filtered through you just because like you're the one creating it yeah um so i think like even you know you have a favorite writer who like writes on different shows or writes movies like they there's a consistent like tone and I think that's like a big part of what I want to do like long term is just do stuff that's like in my tone um so like a favorite writer of mine is Kay Cannon and she wrote on 30 Rock which is like one of my favorite shows of all time and then she wrote Pitch Perfect and she just created Girl Boss which is on Netflix and I feel like if you like line up those shows and like look at the comedic tone it's a lot of like the same sort of vibe so if you like one I feel like you'd like the other and so that's what I want to do with my content whether that's on YouTube whether it's like on TV or other places I just wanted to feel very me does that make sense well yeah I mean to me again it goes to being honest and it goes to being authentic you want it to be honest authentic content for sure that you're not trying to be someone or something that you're not. Absolutely. Which I wish everybody would do. And so when you write and when you create, it's for, is it for you or is it for your audience? Um, I think that my audience and I, the people that enjoy my content would be friends. Like we would get along well. So I think it's sort of both. Like, definitely, I create things that I feel like I have a voice with and I have something to say. But I think also it's finding the right audience who's interested in listening to what I have to say. So I think it's not so much like, okay, what what is going to get a million views or, like, what is going to get a bunch of attention on the internet? But rather, like, what do I, what can I relate to? What can I say? And then I think it attracts the right people for your audience. And have you had dissenters? Have you had, did you lose followers after you came out? No, I gained a bunch. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, I think there's like a whole, especially on the internet, because there just was no 
no is a strong word, but there was very minimal media representation of like LGBTQ plus people. Um, and so I think a lot of that audience like found its footing in the internet. And so a lot of the people who are really into YouTube or like really into social media are members of the LGBTQ plus community. And so I think every time that someone speaks their voice and relates to that group of people in an authentic way, it like resonates with the internet. Like in, in a weird way, although the internet, you know, has hate comments and trolls and whatever, it really can be like a safe, welcoming space. And I know so many people who have come out because of like friends that they made online or just found connections, feelings like so alone and feeling like they're the only like gay person in their town or the only gay person in their school. And they've managed to like find like-minded people through the internet or through YouTube or through Twitter. Um, and so I think that is why it was like positive for me is because those people were right there all along and how and what what spurred your decision to come out and to come out publicly in the way that you did sure well every year since I was 15 I've made a video 15 tips for 15 years and that was I came out on my 18th birthday and that was such a huge part of that year of my life and I knew that there was just no way I could authentically like make that video that and that video means so much to me like every year it's it's really really personal to me and it's kind of like the most I feel like I'm fully it's the most I put out there like once a year it's like here's my feelings like here's what I went through and there's just no way I could honestly make that video without talking about it and with like avoiding that subject because it was just such a huge part of that year of my life especially emotionally and so what was that year for you that a you discovered discovered like you fucking like (laughs) discover land yeah what was your experience in terms of recognizing that you were gay and coming Mm -hmm. to terms with that and dealing with that and then talking about it and all that jazz sure well around when I turned 17 so that's why it was like that year of my life I felt like specifically it was like so important to talk about it in that video but um like around when I was 17 is when I I had a crush on this girl and I kind of like had crushes on girls before, but I was always like, oh, they're straight. So like, doesn't even matter. And I just sort of like pushed it down. And so I was doing the same thing. I was like, oh, like doesn't even matter. But like, whatever. I like boys too, whatever. And then I found out she was gay. And I think it was the first time I had had a crush on a girl who was gay. And so that's what sort of clicked in my mind. I was like, oh my God, like I would actually, that is like a thing that, whoa, is like a real sort of thing. Um, And then I dated a bunch of boys to sort of push that down and then it got to a point where I just like couldn't anymore and um I just like started talking to girls and kissing girls and I realized that that was really what did it for me and that's like a a clean version of that story well I mean here's the deal Mm -hmm. you know I'm like don't be clean (laughs) this is definitely not the podcast for that I can just tell you for me, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I knew, experience? I mean, I knew I liked girls from the time I was young, like seven. Oh, I did not. It was a shock for me. Really? Very shocking. Yes, definitely shocking. And also I was very confused because it's not, b- before I had ever like kissed a girl, I wouldn't like look at boobs and be like, wow, those are good. Like for me, a big part of like what it started it for me is I had crushes on girls more so than like wow I really want to sleep with her and there's just I didn't see people like gay people that were like that like I 
I feel like a lot of, especially in the media, like a lot of queer relationships are very sexualized. And so I thought, well, if like I can hook up with a guy and it doesn't feel disgusting, then like I probably am okay with that. Um, so for me, it just like, it was confusing because I, I didn't see like girls having crushes on girls. I saw girls sleeping with girls. You know, does that, is that relatable? Um, well, I feel that, well, that falls in line to what is it to have a crush? Well, true. I guess it, I, I feel like media wise, like a lot of queer relationships are just like over sexualized. And so well, I didn't see any. Yeah. It was like the. I guess it just it went like in my mind it went through more like oh my god she's so cute and not like oh my god take your shirt off you know well yeah I mean I wasn't thinking at seven yeah I want to <laughs> f- fuck mm-hmm. this like I I wasn't thinking about fucking at all yeah you were seven but it was a physiological mm-hmm. experience where you got butterflies yes. or you know your heart starts to get a little fast definitely or you just have that feeling of, I don't know what this is, but I just love being around this person. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I would get is what a a crush is. For sure. That's uh, me too. I would agree. And uh, getting to recognize that, Oh, how I feel about girls is how everybody says that girls should feel about boys. Mm -hmm. And so Back when I was seven, the only quote unquote media representation mm-hmm. of gay people period had to do with AIDS and it had to do with that all gay people were going to hell mm-hmm. and that they were horrible, horrible, horrible individuals. And I didn't even know, I didn't even know the term lesbian until mm-hmm. I did walk into the dollhouse. And then when I discovered what it was, I felt like fucking Annie Sullivan from the Miracle Workers. Like it has a name. It has a name. And I I finally felt like I was given a piece of my identity. And I was able to be like, oh, this is what I am. I'm a lesbian. And so... Yeah, so for, I don't think that, you know, I think that also, like, Western culture has a very, very, very skewed view of sexuality and mm-hmm. sensuality and what it is to be in pleasure. And so when you talk about queer relationships, obviously the one thing that is going to come up is sex because that's what differentiates quote unquote in the basis fucking terms is that I happen to like sleeping with women versus sleeping with men. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the forget like loving committed relationship, forget, mm-hmm. you know, baby, will you take out the garbage? <laughs> forget 20 year wedding anniversary or first dates or snuggling on the couch or any one of those things it's always going to be focused on the sex Mm -hmm. because and I think that to a degree we've it's 
it's gotten better, but it's also become more extreme, especially with the fuck nuggets we have in the White House currently, um, where we have Mike Pence, who's the VP, who's incredibly anti-LGBTQ+, and uh, individuals that continually want to not only demonize queer individuals, um, <clears throat> but strip away rights and protections. You know, so... <clears throat> so, like, it makes me think, I'm like, hey, did you not grow up around gay people, or did you? Um, it's sort of... When I moved to L.A., which was about five or six years ago now, that was when I first started being around gay people. And it's sort of funny, like, the group of friends that I had when I was 13, like, a lot of us ended up coming out. And I think that's an interesting thing because I've talked to a few other people and it's sort of the same thing. Like, even if you didn't realize that you were gay or queer, you sort of gravitated towards those people. Did Do you find that ever? Like, anyone that you were close to throughout your life also coming out? Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, I mean, I was working all the time. So I was I was around gay and lesbian individuals from the time I was small. Mm-hmm. And so on movie sets, you know, you would have a lesbian producer or a gay mm-hmm. producer or, or whatever the case may be. So I didn't have that normal, quote unquote, childhood experience of, you know, adolescent friendships and whatnot, though every single person that I suspected was gay that I went to school with ended up coming out as gay and then I had two years in a in a school my last two years of high school that was a cultural arts high school that dealt with like musical theater and the arts and all that stuff and a lot of those kids were fully out Mm -hmm. which was a beautiful thing and that was like back in 1999 2000 again which is like very 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 different than it is now and I had a similar experience to you where I tried to come out when I was 12 to my family and then immediately got sent into therapy and I also had been given the belief that being gay was wrong in every single way, shape, and form. It wasn't Mm -hmm. expressly said in my house, you know, nor was it, like, expressly said in, like, the Catholic church that I went to when I was growing up. However, it's... You felt it. You just knew. You felt it. Mm -hmm. It was looked down upon as an understatement. And so I definitely tried to date boys. And... uh, push those feelings down and I didn't necessarily like quote unquote feel disgusting either it really was just like yeah that's I felt numb yes that's what it is and I think like before I had had the comparison of like what it felt like to be with a girl it was sort of like well this isn't bad so maybe this is it yeah yeah. And that's and that's what I feel most people go through life experiencing period. Mm-hmm. That idea of well I guess this is it mm-hmm. and they just settle. Yes. As opposed to 
taking a leap of faith and really getting to experience true pleasure in whatever the sense. And so my question to you is after you discovered that like you did have crushes on girls or you did have feelings and then you dated boys again, why was that? Like, did you have, Oh shit. Oh fuck. Uh Oh, it was more so cause it, it was, I had a crush on this girl and she didn't live here. So she, she was like visiting for a couple weeks. She was visiting a friend of mine. Um, so she like left and I guess it was, yeah, I was trying not to like acknowledge that or hoping I was by like fingers crossed or like maybe that was just like a fluke like thing. Maybe it was just like a one time sort of deal. Um, so I think honestly it wasn't, it was just, I wasn't ready to explore girls. So I, I guess I wanted to make sure I didn't like boys. Does that make sense? Like it was more, I could cross one off before saying, yes, I do like girls. Does that make sense? I mean, it does. I guess that, you know, hoping that you're bi, right? Yeah. That to me implies that there's fear of, oh shit. Definitely Uh, fear. So the question is, what were you afraid of? What Mm -hmm. was, what was it that caused you to have those feelings? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting question. Cause like, kind of like what I was saying, a lot of my friends have been gay, um, And also what I find is a lot of like the gay men, at least in my life or queer guys have known their whole lives that they were gay or knew that they were attracted to men. And so I, they would talk about that. And I was like, well, I haven't known my whole life. I really didn't know until like generally like my teen years and even more specifically like around when I turned 17. So I thought maybe that I was something else because the, the, the guys that I knew that were gay like they were like, oh yeah, I always felt it, and I just like, I just didn't talk about it until like later. They were, they're just like, yeah, I've always known, and I definitely did not always know. So I thought maybe I'm not that. Like maybe I'm this, or maybe I'm something else, or maybe it was just like the one girl or whatever. Um, so I think it was an interesting situation because I think um, in a lot of cases, like people are you know, afraid of what their friends will think or they're afraid of what, like, the people in their life will think. And I knew at least my friends, like, they'd be like, oh, yeah, cool, okay, great. Um, and it's like you never know, like, with your family. And generally I have a pretty, like, accepting family. And it was sort of, like, definitely a learning curve um, for my parents. But we got to a really good place about it. And it was never, it was never like, bad or, like, you did anything wrong. Um, it was just, like, an adjustment period. Um, so I think a lot of what I was afraid of was very much internal And then I had a lot of guilt as to why I was so freaked out about it when all my friends were so fine with their own sexualities. So I was like, why are they so chill and I'm like freaking out? It was very much like an internal thing of like, I didn't want to be gay. Well, who does? Yeah, exactly. I talk about that with my friends now. We're like, well, this is, how'd this happen? Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. And that's not to say like, A, I would not trade being a lesbian for anything in the world i i love women Mm -hmm. i think women are amazing not all women i think some women are cunt bags (laughs) um but that's just life in general that's just people people. but um you know i definitely 
when people say, when did you make the choice? Well, there's no choice. And that's the, and that's the thing. It's, it's, when did you make the choice that you were straight? Yeah. No, I definitely did not do this on purpose. (laughs) Like it was definitely an accident. And for me, I I don't even think of it as accident. I, I feel it's, um, I definitely didn't make the choice to be like harassed walking down the street with my girlfriend or to, yeah, that's annoying, you know, fight for the right for marriage equality Mm -hmm. or, you know, fucking equal protection under the law Mm -hmm. or whatever the fuck it is. Um, there's so much definitely wasn't like, this sounds great to me. Yeah. Why would this be fun? Like, why does that sound fun? It's not, but here's, but here's the thing is that, I also, for me, you know, when I came out, I came out after doing a a long press tour for Princess Diaries 2, and uh, everybody was asking the same question, like, blah, 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 Prince Charming, Prince Charming, Prince Charming, and uh, to Margarita's end, to my final fucking interview, period, I said Princess Charming, and uh, whoops that came out and at the time everybody said that I just kiss your career goodbye just Mm -hmm. kiss your career goodbye and I'm I'm grateful that you know it hasn't been the case you know but it it was I would rather kiss my career goodbye and live authentically Mm -hmm. than to stay in the closet and hide Mm -hmm. And continually work. Absolutely. Yeah, I, There, there's definitely been, like, so many interviews or even just, like, talking to people during that period of my life where it's like, so are you dating any boys? Who's your boyfriend? And I didn't realize, like, how negatively that affected me until I started coming out to people and the questions stopped. But it's like every time, every time someone was like, so do you have a boyfriend? I wanted to throw up. Like, it's, it's just, like, like so... Like, no, like, there's just, like, so much more behind it, I guess, than people realize. And now I can just be like, no, I'm gay. And it's, like, such a, whew, you know, like, it sounds like you had a similar thing just with so many people, like, Prince, Prince, Prince. It's just, like, yeah, you know, my, uh, the whole, the whole entire um, time for, I'd been asked that question for years, and... I obviously don't get asked that question anymore, you know, but I also don't get, get asked anymore like who I'm dating, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think there's something with the media, especially with young women, women that are in their teens, women that are like in their early 20s, that interview interviewers feel as though they have a right to be so incredibly invasive because they think that it's cute. I think it's also like I, my guy friends experience it too. Like my guy friends who are like traditional, you know, handsome young actor guys, they get it all the time. Like, who's your girlfriend? Who are you dating? And I know like multiple like queer guy actors who are in that position where it's like, who's your girlfriend? What do you look for in a girl? And it's just like, at least I know for me, like, I just try and never assume, like, anything for anyone. Um, And I think that's, like, the direction that overall, like, society is heading. 
Um, but it's it's really prominent in the media, especially with just like young people. It's like, who's your girlfriend? Who's your boyfriend? There's a lot of like gender assumption. Yeah, it's it's very true. And so, I want like, what was your experience? Seventeen to eighteen. What happened? What do you mean? I mean, what happened that resulted then on June sixth last year, where you came out? Like, what happened? Um, well, I don't really want to go into too much detail other than I, I was stopped dating boys when I realized I did not want to do that anymore. Um, but I think even more so like a, a big thing for me that I find annoying is the fact that I'm a lesbian, like does have nothing to do with men. Um, it is about how much I like girls and not how much men disgust me. Like I think lesbians are the least thing, like if it's a spectrum of things to do with men, it's like absolutely the opposite because it's like completely not even a little bit about men and like so many men try and insert themselves into like situations or whatever um yeah it wasn't about a dislike of boys it was so much more about like how much I liked girls does that make sense absolutely not it doesn't make sense I mean it makes sense but you know I, I mean, like, yes, it makes sense, but hello, like, you're talking about something that, yes, all you need is the right dick. Like, have you, it's, you know, um, it's, there's this thing, especially with straight men, and this has been going on mm-hmm. for God knows how fucking long, and not all straight men, some straight men are great, some yes. straight men are really great. <laughs> Um, but the, there's clearly this, because women in general for, for most men are, we're, we're thought to be objects in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more quote unquote emasculating to a certain type of straight man than being told no. Yeah, no. 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 There there's nothing about you that I find appealing. Yes. There's absolutely nothing about you That's how I feel. that I find appealing. And uh, again, when you're used to so much fucking entitlement and have so much fucking privilege, being told no, especially by a woman, mm-hmm. is um either met with well you're a fucking ugly dyke and like yeah. whatever the fuck or um, they're more aggressive in, in the other way. So I understand what you're saying in that sense. And I know that you said that you didn't want to get too personal. But I guess you were so vague <laughs> to mm-hmm. me that, like, I know for me that the first girl that, like, I really fell in love with ended up being straight. And it was a horrible, heartbreaking situation mm-hmm. And it really fucking sucked. I feel like every single lesbian has to go through that at least once in their life when they fall in love with a straight girl. Um, I haven't had that exact experience. Okay. No, I also, I'm mostly attracted to girls that are gay. Yes. Like I don't oftentimes find myself like pining because I, I like nice like flannel and nice like tomboy and nice like boots. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's typically like what attracts me. So I don't oftentimes find myself like, oh, if only. 
with like straight women. Yeah, no, I definitely have never had an if only. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my experience was was with a girl. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, that thing about sexuality in terms of <clears throat> sliding scale. Well, not only just sliding scale, but if you're if you're told, and again, I sort of fucking god for like the bisexual listeners or the queer listeners or like whatever the fuck. I'm not saying that you have to be either gay or straight. I'm not saying that at all. I think that we are all on a fucking spectrum. And I'm just talking about my experience with this individual. And what I saw was someone who continually chose individuals of the opposite sex even though they were incredibly unhappy got it and I couldn't understand at the time well wait why can't we're clearly in love with each other Mm -hmm. so what's the what's the thing hold up and what's the deal what's the fear and it really is that of course there's going to be internalized homophobia. Definitely. Um, and getting to work through that and getting to come out, quote unquote, um, to the other side of that in terms of getting to fully express and identify however one identifies. You know, so it's never been a, if only they were gay. If yeah. only they were gay. It's been the experience of, if only they could be comfortable. If only they could be comfortable Definitely. and feel safe. Okay, yes, to that's be more relatable. Yes. Yeah, I've I never had that. a I've never had a quote-unquote straight longing. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. And that's what I mean that like mm-hmm. every lesbian pretty much that I know to one degree or another, mm-hmm. you know, has had the experience yeah. of being with a woman who And again, to like the bi individuals or the questioning individuals, this is only my experience, you know, but where there's the heartbreak isn't even in not being chosen. The heartbreak is in the, oh, I see what you're choosing and I see who you're choosing and I see how unhappy you are and and with that, I also see your internalized homophobia. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that, that's the thing that is the most heartbreaking. Yes. Um, I haven't been in, like, that exact situation necessarily. But I relate to, like, knowing someone and knowing that they're, they're in a relationship that, like, isn't what is going to do it for them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes. And with that, because I think that this, this goes for just young love period, Mm -hmm. the very dramatic, long conversations, the like, I mean, it wouldn't even be like a fucking like mixtape. I swear to fucking God, like my Spotify playlist. Yeah. Like fucking (laughs) Spotify playlist, like with a lot of Ani DeFranco and Fiona Apple (laughs) and Tori Amos. Um, (laughs) and 
and that anticipation and the longing and the, uh, when honesty meets dishonesty. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Where it's when you are, when you are having a conversation with somebody who's so dishonest with self Mm -hmm. and, but you know the truth Mm -hmm. and they know that you know the truth. Does that make sense? Yes. That makes sense. So it is, is there a question or (laughs) cause like I fall, I follow what you mean. Um, no, I think that I think that just like encapsulates, mm-hmm. you know, certain relationships and love, and and certainly it's it's one of the, if not the fucking like staple of queer cinema, which really makes me want to vomit in a hat because I'm <laughs> so tired. I'm so tired of it, and I'm so I'm so over it. It's it's such a played out storyline, um, and I think that queer filmmakers can do better. I mean, Lisa Chalodinko is is definitely the exception. Do you know who she is? I don't know. Okay, you meet. Have you watched The Kids Are All Right? Yes, I really okay, like that. So movie. that that was directed by Got Lisa Chalodinko, yes. and she also directed um, Olive Kittredge with Frances McDormand. Who do you know who she is? Yes, that name sounds very familiar. Okay. She's a fucking incredible, incredible actor. Um, and Lisa's first movie, big movie, was a movie called High Art with Patricia Clarkson and Ali Sheedy. And it's about a lesbian affair. But I would just say that it's, a, it's an affair about... Meh, 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 meh. <laughs> um, it's a story of an affair between two women. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so beautifully done, and it's so tragic, and it's so lovely. And Lisa is an exceptional filmmaker because she doesn't – she centers her stories around human beings that happen to be LGBTQ+, plus or mm-hmm. they're straight, like, but they're, they're just authentic, honest stories versus mm-hmm. – uh, I'm just trying to think of like some piece of shit movie. Um, there are so many that has like an LGBTQ theme. People tweet them at me when this airs. Like I want a list. I want to know like what you consider to be like the worst LGBTQ plus theme movie that you've ever seen in your life. Um, because I'm sure you've seen, but I'm a cheerleader. I have not, no. What? It's bad? It's amazing. Oh, I'm just okay. now just thinking of like Jamie Babbitt, but I'm a cheerleader. Oh my God, girl. Okay, I should look into it. Natasha Leone, Clea Duvall, Melanie Linsky, RuPaul, and uh, who else? Uh, Kathy Moriarty. It's such a good movie. It's okay. such an incredible movie. It's about, um, oh my God, just go fucking watch it. Okay. I, I just, uh, it's so good. And you've seen Gia. I've, I have not, no. 
<laughs> oh my god this is um okay there's there's i'm just gonna need to make you yeah a you have to list. send me a list i'm gonna mm-hmm. have to send you okay, a big perfect. list um so like what what are some of your favorite like what are the films that have resonated with you like what are the shows that have resonated with you that i know that you were a gymnast until you were eight and then you or until i was 13 sorry that's okay but you had a torn hamstring yeah that took you out yes and then you were like i can be an actor yes i had always been like super interested in acting but it just hadn't been like a thing that i was going to do anything about and then when i couldn't do gymnastics anymore it was sort of like the perfect opportunity okay and so so what what are the films that have resonated within you that you get really excited talking about i really like fight club it's probably my favorite movie of all time have, why have you seen well, yeah of course yeah um i just i think it's such an incredible movie and the way it explores like human psychology and like the way people think and treat each other is so interesting and like what people actually want versus what they tell themselves what they want as well as just not like in a sort of not sort of in a very twisted way like the repercussions of settling for a life that you're uninterested in I think that's really interesting. Um, I really like Inception, sort of for the same reasons. Um, it's just like a really interesting way to tell a story, more so with that movie. And that's what I like a lot about it. And that's what I like a lot about just movies in general that I enjoy. It's just it's a, a story that is told from an interesting way or just not beginning, middle, end. Um, I really like the movie The Way, Way Back, which is more like classic, like family coming of age. Have you yes, seen? Yes, I have. I love that movie. I, I think it's great because the character starts out very awkward and uncomfortable and the movie ends and he's slightly less, but it's not like a big, like, oh, I figured it all out. Um, I think it's just very like real, like a, a good, authentic story. So those are like my three favorites of all time. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. So Fight Club. Yes. Such a good movie. The Way Way Back. And what was the other one? Inception. Inception. I have not seen Inception. Inception is very good. I know. I, there's <laughs> a lot of movies that I need to see. And I... Apparently me too. I mean, girl. Um, and I dream a lot. And my mm-hmm. dreams are very, very, very vivid. Do you dream? Yes. I have really crazy dreams, but I don't remember a lot of details. I have like a lot of the same dreams like over and over again that are like during like different periods of my life. I'll have like a recurring dream. What's been your latest recurring dream? Um, I had a dream. I had or a lot of dreams where I have to take care of a baby, but not like raise it. Just like hold it while like a lot of stuff's going on. So I'm like in charge of this baby spontaneously. And then I used to have these dreams where... Like, the whole world was this, like, giant maze, and I'd have to, like, fight my way through it. And there were, like, different obstacles and, like, different parts of it. And I'd get, like, all lost. And, like, I would meet people. Just, like, crazy, like, large mazes. A lot of fighting. Yeah. Interesting. And do you dream in the third person or do you dream in the first person? Um, First person. Yeah, I don't, like, look at myself. Okay. What about you? I dream in the third person. That's so interesting. Yeah, I dream in the third person. Okay. Um, I wonder what that says about you. That I'm objective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes I'll, I'll dream in that first person. It'll go back between first and third. My dreams are really. Yeah. What do you dream about? They're cinematic, you know, so it'll that makes sense having been in the industry. And also that's just, I'm a very, I'm a very visual person and I'm a very, um, auditory person. Mm -hmm. So I, I see things very clearly and I hear them very clearly. And the last dream that I remember very vividly having was like, and did it involve a baby? Um, I'm trying to think. Apparently if your dreams involve babies or pregnancy, it's because you're like growing and maturing or like something in your life is evolving and changing in a positive way. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yes. And also it just makes me think of, you know, really taking care of self yes yeah it's, it way. represents you uh not guarding isn't the right word but nurturing look, yeah nurturing looking out for your best interests making sure that you're gonna be in a good place yeah and also the part of you that because of what happens the babies are 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 so in the moment and they're so present and uh, the smallest thing because the world is so new mm-hmm will cause them to cry or or get startled or whatnot and um you know the a the fact that i think that it speaks to somebody trusted you enough to give you that baby to Mm -hmm. hold on to and did it just appear in your arms or was there a handoff had the baby was in charge of it and was the baby crying no, the baby was like super calm. I just had to make sure that it stayed good. And what did you do to make sure that it stayed quote unquote good? Um, quote unquote. Um, there was just like a lot of chaos happening around. So I just had to make sure to hold on to it and like use my other arm to like fight off other things or just like make sure that everything maintained and stayed okay. And this wasn't in the maze. This was just. Yes, they, they both sort of like mix with each other so sometimes they'll be like in the maze not this baby i have to take care of so you also like you know the mama bear comes out the Mm -hmm. protector yeah which is beautiful thanks that's a beautiful beautiful it's a beautiful thing but did you but do you feel fear in those moments when you're fighting people off or do you feel do you feel confident and secure um I guess more so just, like, responsible and, like, I got to sort this out. Like, failure wasn't an option. Okay. Okay. That's, it's interesting when, when I hear, like, failure isn't an option because there's two, because then either everything becomes a threat, Mm -hmm. where it's, is this going to be the thing that potentially takes me out? So you're so incredibly heightened Mm -hmm. versus... Not today, motherfucker. I think more the the latter, like the second one. So it's more, it just got to take care of whatever's happening. Has, have to. There's no like, or else. Like it just, you've got to. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's also representative of like the way I try and live my life. Just like proceeding as though you are capable and, and then like you will be. If you trust yourself. And where is the, how have you learned to trust yourself? How have you learned to trust? Because I saw that you had, you had posted something which I I thought was 
beautiful. It was part of the the coming out video in terms of listening. If other individuals are giving you advice that don't necessarily jive well mm-hmm. within your sense of being, mm-hmm. that you don't have to listen. Yes. And so what was what precipitated that lesson? Um, so for me, this is it's something that I like struggle with all the time is because my first instinct is to like ask someone else and do what they tell me to do. If I'm having like a tricky situation with like work or with like personal life, it's like ask this, ask someone else who I like or trust and then just like do that. Um, but then I wasn't getting the results that I wanted and I afterwards would feel really uncomfortable just like not having given my most like authentic, honest take. Um, and so it was just a matter of like, that was the way that I had to learn that lesson is by doing, by just listening to other people and doing that and then not liking the result. And it's not even so much like, obviously, you know, anyone in your life that you're close to, like they want the best for you. And so it wasn't a matter of like sabotage or like trying to like do something wrong. It's just that no one around you is ever going to be as invested in you as you are. And also no one around you is going to fully understand a situation the way that you are because you're the one living it. And so trusting that objectivity is not necessarily the answer when a situation involves like your feelings or just something that's like personal to you. Um, And just knowing that like you are the ultimate authority on your life and your life is going to go where you put it. So like trusting your trust yourself to look out for you. Well, how did you do that? Um, I think it's just a practice thing. It's a matter of also reminding myself too. Um, And then also like I try not to ask for advice too much because I'll take it and it's not necessarily going to be like what's good for me. Um, And I think even like if I take my own advice and it doesn't work out, I'll feel a million times better than if I listen to someone else over me and it didn't work out. Or it's just in general, like me trusting myself is going to result in me living like the life that's going to be best for me emotionally. Is that relatable? I've a never heard anybody say is that relatable before in my life. Okay, well, I here normally you go. hear does that make sense? Um, and different question. Yeah, I know, but it's the. I mean, you're 19 years old. Yes. I mean, I was, and I say this with love and respect, and this isn't diminishing you in any way, shape, or form. You know, I was definitely sprouting out some fucking words of wisdom when I was when I was your age um you know and saying that you can't love anybody like else until like you like truly love yourself um I don't think that's necessarily true well you know I'm like girl we've got so much to talk about because <laughs> a I completely agree with you um I think that it's it goes a lot deeper than that um but but with that, I'm sure you have individuals coming to you, and maybe I'm very, very wrong, but I know for me in my experience, I've had individuals, particularly in the professional realm, mm-hmm. that give unsolicited advice. Oh, it's so annoying. Absolutely. So, All the time. So with that, especially when you have people that are in those quote-unquote positions of power mm-hmm. that 
essentially can act as the potential gatekeepers Mm -hmm. to allow you to get to the next level of where it is that you want to go, especially if it's um, an experience that you haven't dealt with before. Mm -hmm. And you intuitively react or respond and it doesn't feel right. But here's somebody that has quote unquote more experience than Mm -hmm. you do that is saying you need to do this if you want to get this. Uh And, uh, you know, so, so listening, listening to you and that, yeah, I just, how do, what for you was the first experience where you said no? Well, I think for me, that advice is more like on a personal level and like the way that I want to treat the people that I'm around and the way that I feel like it's acceptable to be treated. Um, But definitely like I like career wise, like I trust my manager and I trust like my lawyer and I trust them like a lot. And I so if they have advice for me on a situation that I haven't been through like my instinct is then to trust them because like I we work well together so it's it's still me following like my instinct and what I want but my it's usually like to have faith in the people that I've chosen to surround myself by Mm -hmm. so it's still coming from a place of like trusting myself but it's I guess it's more of a mentality than like a literal thing so it's the mentality of like having faith in your own decisions and in a lot of cases like my decision is to trust my manager Mm -hmm. or to trust like my lawyer's thoughts on this contract Mm -hmm. that I haven't dealt with before Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it is more of like a mental headspace for me at least do you consider yourself to be powerful in what sense I mean in every sense Like, I believe that if I go into situations fully knowing that I am capable, that I will, I will, like, reward myself isn't the right word. But I feel like the more trust I have in myself, the harder I'll work. And the more I will sacrifice to make it happen. And how did you learn to, like, really truly, what... I feel like we all have we all have an experience, we all have a moment that we cross from fear into faith. You okay. know, where and I was talking about this with my friend Lauren who was on my podcast um that like just came out and talking about sometimes you've got to have a real no before you get to have a real yes. And Mm -hmm. that's saying no to someone else. But yes to you. But yes, you're saying yes to you. And so I'm curious, and I, I remember very distinctly what my experience was Mm -hmm. in the sense of no, I'm, it's literally self-preservation mode. I'm saying no to this, even if it means the end of everything, um, because I'm really, truly getting to say yes to me for the first time. And so I'm curious what it was for you, if you've had that experience Mm -hmm. yet, where it was so clearly defined that you were doing something that you normally hadn't done, where you were like, I'm 
people might be angry. This person might be really upset, but mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't fucking matter anymore. Yes, I think that I have. So a little while ago, I had a really good friend and we were very, very close and I would go to her with like everything and I, I trusted her a lot. Um, and we had like a really bad falling out over she was telling me I had done something wrong and I really thought about it and I was really genuinely like I I feel like I handled that situation in the best way I knew how to and I'm sorry if that didn't work for you but really like I'm sorry that you are affected so negatively by this but if it happened again like I genuinely feel like I gave that my best shot um and so we like stopped talking for like months And through that, I feel like I discovered so much about myself because I didn't have that sort of, like, crutch. Um, And I understood that, like, this person who I had trusted with so much in my life, like, I didn't necessarily love, like, all of their opinions on things. And so I think a big part of, like, for me, asking for advice is asking for advice from people who are in situations and have put themselves in places that you then want to be. Yes. So she was putting herself in such a negative place and sort of, like, closing out to other people. And I was like, if she has ended up in this negative place and I'm taking advice from her, that's not where I want to be. Amen. And so I gained a lot of just self-confidence in terms of understanding that my opinion, my thoughts, and the things that I believe on things are just as valid as anyone else's. And so... If I don't agree with what she's thinking, that's totally so okay. Like, we can have differing opinions, but, like, I'm going to go do my thing, and I'm going to trust myself. And that was honestly, like, a huge reason and a huge part of, like, how I've been able to sort of have just a lot more trust in myself was um, just understanding that, like, I want to listen to people in my life who are in places that I want to get too and not in the social climby sense not in the yeah, career no, sense I get it. I in get the it. positive mindset sense in the sense of they're doing what they want to do in their way yeah and so those are the people that I should listen to um and we later like reconciled like we're friends now and she apologized to me she said she was like going through a hard time and she was going through a breakup and just sort of like not handling a lot of her other relationships with care um, but in a weird way, as much as that situation like so negatively affected me and it made me so sad because like I lost a really close friend, it ended up being a really, really positive thing. And so now I feel like proceeding into my life, the next thing that happens that makes me upset in that way, I can remember that it ended up being a really positive period of growth. So maybe life just works out. I mean, that's the thing. It always does. It always does. That's it, the thing. It, it, even if we even if we really don't think it will, it really does. I was like, oh, we'll never be friends again. And then a few months later, she was like, I'm sorry, and told me like exactly what I needed to hear and was I forgave, and now we've like moved on. And are you guys are you guys closer than ever, or is that is that? Uh, I think it's a fracture? different it's a different relationship than we had before, but it's more positive and overall is is a good relationship that I really value in my life and less draining. Less draining, yeah. It ended up for the best. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. There's this great line that I love so much, which is that people's rejection is the universe's protection. Ooh, I really like that. Yeah, it's it's really great. And I really do believe that... I talk about this on here all the time, Mm -hmm. that you can't experience one until you experience the other. And I can't experience joy and love and abundance and bliss 
unless I'm willing to experience yes. the fear and the terror and mm-hmm. the anxiety and the sadness mm-hmm. and the grief. And I think the the thing for me with like that friendship is I I walked away from it knowing fully like I don't want to treat anyone that way. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I got nicer to my other friends. I just got kinder because I knew what it felt like to be just like fully rejected in that sense and I knew I never wanted to do that to anyone. So I learned like so much positivity from like the universe's rejection or the people's People's rejection rejection is the the universe's universe's protection. protection. Yeah, that's great. Um, What was your like moment for you where you said no to others and yes to yourself? I feel as though, I mean, I just, I had a situation where um, I was asked to go in on something and I said I said no, and the response that I got was the, you know, typical response that one gets, you know, from, like, mm-hmm. an agent and or You're manager. Like, Come on. And I, I responded with, you know, a very firm, this isn't what I desire to be doing mm-hmm. with my life. And I really... Um, Because unlike you, I spent many, many years, you know, and it's partially because of how I was raised and life experience and whatnot. And I think that women, especially across the board to one varying degree or another, are told to keep their mouth shut. Yes. Say yes. Be small. Ba ba ba. Don't cause waves. And so, uh, I always said yes to things that I intuitively wanted to say no to, and that's also a what's the word I'm looking for? That is also thanks to growing up in an environment where gaslighting was a major part of my life and that if I had a feeling that caused somebody else to be upset, you know, if, if I was sad or whatever, why are you crying? Now you're making me cry. Now I'm upset. Yes. Look at what you're doing to me. Ba, 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 ba. So learning very, very early on, that self-preservation was part and parcel with making sure no one ever got upset mm-hmm. and that, cause that would maintain calm and whatever. So that extended into every single area of my life and like whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like I've like talked about this on like the other podcasts and like, you know, like the, the point is, is that, <clears throat> I got to a point in my life where I was willing to walk away from everything, every single thing that I had known in order to truly get to walk with all of me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's a journey. I'm so, I'm so fucking excited for your journey. Oh, thanks. I'm excited for your journey. Thanks. Um, like I, I, I really am. I'm, I'm curious to see where you go. I'm very, very curious to see where you go. And Me I too. And I, I love that. You know, um, 
again, everything I really do believe happens for a reason for me in my life and my experience. Um, you know, cause we met when we were working on stock, mm-hmm. even though you only worked one day. Um, right. Yeah. Yes, you only worked only one, one day. day. It was very, very quick. And you know how that didn't happen. It wouldn't have led to this and that and ba 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 ba. And here we are. Um, so on that note, and I feel like this is actually a question that's right up your alley. So at the end of every podcast, almost every podcast, I can't say every podcast cause I do forget sometimes. Um, I ask a question, which is when was the last time that you shut up and listened to your intuition and what did your intuition say and what did you subsequently do? Ooh, this is good. Um, I think, I don't know if this is a direct answer, but this is what it makes me think of, like that sentence is, um, I, I was sort of in like a pretty dark place, um, sort of springboarding off of like what I was talking about earlier. Um, and I started being a proud of myself for having a good day Mm. and that's a big big thing that's like been prominent in my life is like if I'm like excited about something or happy about something I'm like well relax like it's probably not gonna happen like whatever Mm. and so lately I've just been trying to be really really proud of myself for being positive even if it means like putting yourself out there and like not necessarily coming across as like the cool relaxed like I'm over it whatever just being really really happy for myself for being happy and that's something that I'm trying to listen to is when I have a moment where I'm like oh yes or just a moment when I feel really really good just like listening to that and letting it wash over me yeah not sabotaging your joy not sabotaging my own joy yeah yeah like um a friend of mine we were talking about like the placebo effect and he's like, why would you argue with your own solutions? And so that's what I am trying to remember is like, if I feel really good about something or like something good is happening, like why would I argue with something positive? I'm going to, we're going to end on this note because I think that it's, it's very, very appropriate. And again, fucking listeners, you know that I repeat myself sometimes, but that's because again, um, it's fucking truth. So, one of the greatest things that was ever told to me was just told to me very, very recently by a man who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And he said, Heather, do you want to know the greatest secret in the universe? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I would like to know as well. He said, the truth always feels good. Ooh, I like that. The truth yeah. always feels feels good it does even if it's a hard truth it feels better than a lie fuck yes Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. um even if it's a hard truth it feels better than a lie a soft lie or a hard lie any kind of lie Mm -hmm. um well with that i i'm so grateful that i got this gift of getting to talk with you today i love talking to you as well i had a really nice time dude well like fucking come back um, okay like any fucking time and um with that guys 
I'm going to Paris so soon. I'm going to Paris in mid-July and then Prague. So for all of my international listeners that are in Europe, whether it's London or Paris or Prague, the Czech Republic, um, let me know if there's anybody that you think I should interview while I'm there because I very well might do that in between eating a lot of cheese and drinking a lot of wine and making a lot of love. And that's it. And with that, I send you all so much love. Until next time, it's me, Heather Matarazzo. This has been another episode of Shut Up and Listen.